a supervisor from a county took a photo of these two Latino girls in uh, Taco Bell, I believe, uh, doing homework on on the street, and that was the only way they can access the internet. And it was a, it was in Salinas, California, a big city. You know, I think that hit home for a lot of uh, legislators. Uh, the idea that you know children are forced to go to the streets to do homework right now because of just uh, the inequities that exist within the system. Welcome to episode 462 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Rye Marcatilio McCracken here at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Today, Christopher talks with Ernesto Falcone, Senior Legislative Counsel for the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and his colleague Haley Sukayama, a legislative activist for the nonprofit. They join us to talk about California's recent landmark announcement that it is devoting $7 billion dollars to expand broadband access in the state over the next few years. Ernesto and Haley help Chris unpack how the funds will be used, from the $4 billion earmarked for a statewide, middle-mile, open-access network designed to increase competition and expand access to areas that are unserved or underserved by existing providers, to the $500 million public financing program to assist local governments, tribes, and nonprofits financing new community-owned fiber networks. During the course of the conversation, Ernesto emphasizes the fact that there will always be zero-profit internet access needs that will never be met by private entities, and that facilitating publicly-owned networks offers a commitment to reaching those households. Both share how the pandemic has activated citizens and local officials in the state, and how, with leadership by the EFF, they now stand poised to see historic progress in bringing fast, affordable internet access to many more families in the near term. Now here's Christopher talking with Ernesto and Haley. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. And today I'm bringing back uh, one of my favorite guests, someone that uh, can talk about all kinds of broadband technology and video games and lots of other stuff. Ernesto Falcone, Senior Legislative Counsel at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, EFF. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Ernesto, I'm really glad to have you back, and we're going to talk a lot about California. Um, but you know what? I'm, I just suddenly had this idea. What if I just what if I blindside you with a question, which is, um, do you think over the course of this summer we're going to get great broadband news out of the federal government? You're you're tracking this. You're pushing hard for smart investments into in the infrastructure bill, the 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 um, President Biden's uh, jobs plan. Um, what do, what are you thinking? We're going to see. So I think the way Congress is working right now is we should hope and expect uh, some serious decisions made at least for one of the two halves of the legislative process. Uh, The House of Representatives traditionally acts first uh, when it comes to spending matters, it has to originate there. So, you know, provided that the advocacy and the effort is is effective and we can deliver on the um, Clyburn Klobuchar bill, which is the big broadband infrastructure bill out there, um, I expect the House will act this summer, and I think the real the fight, uh, the fight for every single vote will matter for all 50 states in the United States Senate for not just for the summer, but probably leading maybe even as far as the end of the year. Excellent. Um, so you as senior legislative counsel, just so people have a sense, you're, I feel like you're tracking D.C., you're check, tracking California, and then you dabble a little bit in other states too? That's right. That's right. So California, though, is where it's happening. Is there any state that's exciting as California right now? I'm born and raised in California, so maybe I'm just like being uh, <laughs> selfish here. But it, no, I, I think uh, 
you know, we're the fifth largest economy. Uh, there's always a sentiment in, in California um, political spaces to lead the nation rather than follow the nation. And, uh, you know, we have another opportunity to do that. Uh, you know, we are blessed with a combination of a surplus of state money after, even after the pandemic, uh, because we, we were conservative about how much money the state would receive in tax receipts and kind of operated that way last year. And uh, things actually are looking good. Things are recovering. And so with, ex with all this extra money combined with the federal rescue package, the federal uh, rescue plan that came out in, in March, um, you know, the governor of the state can set a budget that actually addresses not just uh, one set of needs, but practically all the needs uh, all in one go uh, and the, the, the tune of tens of billions of dollars. And broadband is one of those one of those needs. Um, the pandemic has made clear. You know, at every single school district, they know they have a third or third or more, you know, of these uh, students that just didn't have access. Didn't matter if you were in a big city or, or in rural county, uh, rural governments. It just was the same everywhere, even in my hometown. And um, and so they had to spend, ten, you know, tens of millions of dollars renting out inferior hotspots, and they're sick of that. And so there's just a huge upswell uh, and an insurgence of local communities demanding the opportunity to just simply solve their own problem in case there's another pandemic or some sort of national tragedy of, of sorts that forces us all to shelter in place and um you know the governor has responded with with a budget of seven billion dollars you know overwhelmingly focused on public infrastructure and nonprofit infrastructure models which is huge um massive departure from repeats of the mistake of the past which is subsidizing the big private players to build out and um and we're actively fighting for that right now yes i think when you were last on i think we talked some about the the sort of woeful standards that we saw with the CASF program, uh, which you know basically is only available for people to get uh, better broadband if they have less than six, six megabits down and one megabit up. Um, but what we're seeing from the new governor's proposal is 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 really truly revolutionary. It's it's exciting. So there's several different components of it. You want to walk us through what the what the governor is proposing? Yeah, happy to. So the you know, the, the problem with the way the state approached broadband in the past was um, basically looking at the, the, the connectivity and the speed metrics and saying, okay, what, how much do we need to spend to give everyone a 10 megabit download connection and a one megabit upload connection, you know, which was at the behest of industry that said you don't really need faster speeds than that. Right. I mean, let's just put a fine point on that because it was AT&T. Like AT&T made that happen. Yeah, you know, it's it's AT and T, it's Frontier Communications, and it's cable and the cable companies. You know, all of them agreed. All of them are sponsors of of this law uh, for 2017 that set this plan of how much money do you, are you allowed to raise from us? You know, in terms of private industry, in terms of fees, you know, which is really user fees, not really from them. Um, and you know, the price tag of getting 10.1 out there is about 330 million dollars, which we set out to do in 2017. If you you know check the calendar, right? 2017, we're talking about building out, you know, a speed of half the federal standard of broadband, which was two years earlier, 2015, 2053. And they convinced the legislature, like, hey, that's all people really need. Um, we all know that's just untrue. We, and anyone who is kind of assessing broadband access and the fact that you always need more tomorrow than you did yesterday because of the, you know, the evolution of technology, you just knew that was a plan to fail. Um, but, you know, they didn't have the influence or the sway of necessary in 2017. I think that's changed a lot nowadays, but uh, you know, we reached now, we've spent all that money. Uh, we have lots of people who are underconnected or are still unserved. Uh, and you have an industry that you know, plan to spend tiny uh, incremental amounts of money out there, uh, really just failing. I mean, it's just, just, it's just categorical market failure across the board. 
you know, the solution and as EFF has articulated is, is you know, empower local choice. You need local, lo the local private or local public options uh, tend to favor, you know, these high capacity long-term infrastructure investments. Um, you actually need to spend a lot more money than $300 million because you want something that lasts for decades. And uh, we've been fighting that fight since uh, early 2020. Uh, and, and we are excited to see, you know, we didn't have the pandemic and <laughs> then that happened. The knowledge that that is what the future needs to be for everyone, uh, I think, grew fairly quickly. Yes, it seems like there's a, a whole new group of activated people who are paying attention on broadband now. Uh, I mean, it seems like in the past, there was a smaller number of advocates who were going up against uh, companies like AT&T. Now it seems like there's a lot more people who are willing to put some resources into this, which is, uh, which is just it's, it's what we need, frankly, to get it done right, right? Yeah, and I think what's most exciting is, um, you know, years ago, San Francisco uh, invested an awful lot of local leadership resources into contemplating building an open access fiber network throughout the city. And, um, you know, the challenge is that you have elections, you have new, new leadership that comes in, uh, they don't, they don't, they inherit this big project idea from the past leadership, and they're like, well, I, that's not what I want to do. Fast forward, I would say today, Mayor, Mayor London Breed has actually done some pretty phenomenally good work on public housing and fiber up public housing. But it, you know, it's a it's a smaller version of what was originally planned. Um, the city that now is coming in at full swing uh, and lots of attention is Los Angeles and just Los Angeles County. I mean, that's it's a massive part of this state. It's a massive part of the political center of California, and uh, the number of students, businesses, and kind of the whole like that are all in agreement that the infrastructure they have as a city and a community and a county is insufficient for a global community, a global city is um a big is a big change and and with that has brought a whole ton of activism from a whole ton of sources that you know can do a lot of good because just the the number of elected officials that come from those areas uh in terms of sacramento is huge it's it's practically half the legislature so now we are joined by Haley sukuyama who is a legislative activist from eff uh welcome to the show Haley. thank you so much for having me we're really excited to have you on to join us appreciate you taking some time um, what are what are you seeing uh, in California that's different this year that we we maybe didn't see in previous years? I mean, I'm sure Ernest has already talked about this a little bit, but uh, I think in a lot of ways, you know, be, obviously because of the pandemic and the way that it has highlighted the um, the importance of connectivity in a way that like has literally brought it home to a lot of people. Um, we're seeing a lot more momentum. I think you know this is an issue, obviously that. You know, the people have been, been thinking about a lot that we've, we've definitely um, been able to talk about before. Um, and, you know, I think people understand, but I think it, it really hit home in a, in a much different way um, over the past year. So definitely hearing more support and more of a level of urgency, I think, than, we, than we've heard before. Um, that, to me, that's the biggest difference this year. Excellent. We're hearing that in a, lot, in a lot of different places, I feel like. So let's talk about this money. It seems like the largest chunk is for middle mile open access, which is exciting. But let's just assume for a second that this is someone's first show. Uh, Ernesto, tell us what that means. Yeah, so I, I often try to I often think it's it's useful to think as a, an analogy with the roads and the, and the transit system we, we live with. And, um, you know, the, you, if you drive in a car, you know, you drive a, an interstate or, or a uh, you know, an interconnected network of roads and freeways and, and other means of travel. Well, the, the internet's not any different than that. Uh, you know, if you're going to connect to a computer to, you know, download information or send information, 
you know, you're traveling the roads of the of the internet wire, uh, or or maybe potentially from a wireless connection to a tower, which then connects to a wire. So what the state is proposing to do uh, in terms of this, what's called a middle mile open access fiber network is simply build a 21st century highway system for the internet for the entire state um, to basically bring the internet and, and, and fiber explicitly in terms of uh, multi gigabit capacity, uh, bring it to the front door of every community throughout the state, particularly the rural parts of the state that are just, just lack that kind of capacity. So they don't, they have limited options, what they could do locally. And then the, the open access premise would ensure that, you know, any player, whether public or private, uh, wants to connect with this network to, you know, access that capacity is, is able to, you know, it'll be designed in a way that would uh, kind of lift all boats as it travels, uh, you know, ensure the on ramps and off ramps are places that, um, you know, promote the, promote the most use and value uh, throughout the community and um, and the network. So this is a this is a network that then will benefit both publicly owned ISPs as well as privately owned ISPs, co-ops, basically anyone uh, in throughout California could benefit from this investment. That's absolutely right. And then the 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 thing that is not well understood about fiber at times is um, it, it just has such a high trajectory of what it can do in terms of the capacity in the wire. So. Um, the real expense is just laying laying the foundation and, and the rights away, uh, not necessarily the running of the wire or upgrading the wire. Um, it's it's just laying it out. And so, if the state was to build, you know, a a a very connected network throughout the entire state that connects all communities, you know, this is an asset that will get better over you know my life uh, and my kids' life. And um, you know, and then all of those benefits of its improvement will be just will just be accessible by all players along the route. With the state building it, um, it seems like maybe it'll avoid some of the challenges that we've heard about regarding uh, some of the um, the environmental assessment that needs to be done often in these projects, and uh, that, that may actually have prevented some others from building middle mile over the years. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, a distinct possibility. I think the fact that it'll be um, I think the intent will be to synergize it with road construction and the in the every five years the state rebuilds a lot of the roads with transportation funding. So if you if you kind of uh, line up all your projects where you're laying the wire, you reduce ha- the redundancy in terms of like all the extra steps you have to do. And so you know I, I do think there's going to be efficiencies that the state will uniquely be able to um, access that any smaller player. Um, and, and quite frankly, most you know anyone in the private industry is smaller, even the biggest players, because the state of California is. Uh, the fifth largest economy in the world, they they will just have the advantages of scale and size and and, and reach that that I don't think anyone else can really uh, replicate. Now, Haley, that's the middle mile is one aspect of it. I'm curious if there's other aspects of it that that you find interesting you'd want to share. So the the middle mile is is certainly the largest part of the budget by by the amount allocated. I believe. Uh, what else is happening in this broadband proposal that you think is interesting? Yeah, yeah, I think the. Reliance on nonprofits and public sector last mile efforts and in establishing a $500 million account to promote that activity is, is a big deal. Uh, we often you know, pit all of these players against each other and have this kind of, I would say, a race to the bottom of who can do it for the cheapest. And um, that's kind of the wrong question. That's the mistakes that the FCC did recently with the Rural Development Opportunity Fund. Rather than asking like what what's going to last and promote the most value for an area, it's you know who can build it for us at the cheapest price to or the lowest cost of the government, which um, you know subsequently results in a lot of I think speculation as well as 
you know, efforts to keep others out of the market from building, um, particularly if I'm an incumbent, uh, that value is being the slow internet monopoly in that area. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to take whatever, I'm going to say whatever price I want, uh, to make sure <laughs> I keep that, that revenue stream. So, you know, I, I think separating the, the public model of broadband infrastructure and broadband access from the private model is critical simply because, um, there are zero profit needs out there uh, that are, will never be met by a um, private entity, uh, particularly when it comes to low income access. Yeah. So that's, I mean, for me, it's fascinating. I mean, we're talking about $500 million and this isn't like, oh, we're going to give like, like $500 million in grants, right? This is a pool of money that through the magic of modern finance will be actually spent multiple times, right? Uh, what, what is this pool of money actually going to be used for? I think the lead uh, public sector entity that is most interested in investing, uh, you know, creating a 30-year, 40-year future plan um, are, are the rural county governments in California. And, and the origin story behind that is um, Frontier Communications uh, filed bankruptcy. Uh, Frontier Communications is the one internet option for many of these people out there. And you had local leaders look at each other and say, oh, my God, like the one private option that's out here uh, is gone. Like it's, it's dying. And so either we build it ourselves or we're just not going to have internet access and, and, and not even just basic internet access, just like kind of future forward oriented, oriented internet access. So, um, you know, they're, they have been very clear eyed and, and, and open about the intent of building similar to what's happening in Utah, where many of them will collaborate to simply just lay the wires, lay the last mile open uh, fiber wires, make it open so that anyone private or public wants to reuse, reuse the wire uh, and lease the wire is able to do so. Uh, and the size of the number of uh, communities that are willing to band together to do that is a big deal because you need that kind of scale to, to make this type of idea work. And, uh, and you can say, we'll take a 40-year mortgage on it. And that's totally legit because um, you know, everyone's going to need broadband 40 years from now. It's not going away. And it's, not, it's not a fad. Uh, and uh, everyone's going to need more. And you, so you have a pretty solid basis of a consistent uh, revenue stream with a very large population in need, uh, given the bank, you know, the vacancy and, and, and exit of, of the private market in that respect. But now with the actual money, I think these counties, uh, they'll be able to, um, not even necessarily borrow against it, but that's sort of like, it's like if they go to a bank or they go to a lender, they're going to borrow money. They're going to issue bonds. However, they're going to do it. They tap into this money as like, um, as a security, right? Um, so that the lender will give them a really good rate because the state of California is is not saying we're going to back all of it from everyone, but they're basically saying there's a ton of money here for like if any of them struggle to to help pay that off. Is that right? I mean, it's a little bit. I'm a little bit murky on it, honestly. I, I think I sounded more certain than I than I really am. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, but that's exactly right. I mean, uh, you know, in a concept that we're we're more of us are familiar with, um, you know, to the extent that you bought a car or a house. You know, you don't have all that money up front. No one ever. Well, I mean, there are people that do, I suppose, right? <laughs> you have to. Be I don't know them, but there are there but, are. Yeah, but not me. <laughs> but but the average human, uh, you know, doesn't have all the money up front to pay 100 percent of the cost for a car or a house. Uh, you 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 get a financial vehicle of sorts, uh, some sort of financial mechanism to be lent the money uh, up front and then pay it back over increments over time. What the state of California and what these rural governments are hoping to do with this this account is uh, the state will essentially back the mortgage for fiber networks in rural counties for the for about 10% of it. And the, the value of that is it gives the cities and the townships in these local, in these rural counties, 
the the confidence of the state of California backing them and they can go to the lenders, you know, the banks and, and the bond market, I suppose, to say, hey, look, we've got a, a substantial backing from a major economy. Uh, they will they will back this play and in exchange, you'll get cheap money, right? Cheap debt. And um, because of the longevity of fiber as an asset, you know, some people predict as far as 70 years, it'll be useful. So, so you know, absent any sort of like natural disaster or some sort of um, artificial means of cutting it short, you have an asset that would outlast that loan uh, and, and last years later. And then, you know, upgrading from there is, is a fraction of what the actual costs are from that point forward. So it's a smart investment. This already happens in Europe. You have whole pension funds that subsidize, or not subsidize, but, but, but loan long-term money, uh, long-term low interest money for open access fiber throughout the, the EU zone. Uh, Cause it's just a safe money, safe place to bet money. Uh, you know, people are going to need it and you know, people are going to keep using it for, for decades on out. I want to I want to move on to how we how we kind of made this happen, which I think um, EFF deserves a lot of credit for, um, because we started off talking about how AT and T and others kind of drive drive the boat in uh, Sacramento. And um, Haley, I'm curious, um, you know, what what is different this year, or are we just uh, you know kind of Charlie assuming Lucy's not going to pull the football away this time? <laughs> Well, um, I mean, I am always hesitant to do any crystal ball reading ever when politicians are involved. But I think um, there are a couple things that came together um, this year. I mean, one is, of course, um, that uh, Ernesto and, uh, and others in this kind of really broad coalition that we've built um, have been doing a lot of work leading up to this point. Right. So um, we saw a version of this bill last year. Uh, obviously, there's been a, a huge coalition of people working on these issues in California um, for many years. And so, you know, part of it is, is that momentum coming together. Um, we have a good author, uh, you know, who um, is willing both to uh, put in the work to understand the issue and to really make um, a good case to, to their colleagues. Often when we're looking at running bills, it's hard to find a, a good author who's willing to stick with you the whole way um, and willing to sort of not only stand up to special interests, but also to, you know, work with colleagues and, and stakeholders to, and look for solutions that are that are helpful for the bill and helpful to move the bill forward, but that don't gut it completely, right? So I think um, I also want to give a lot of credit to, to our author there, uh, to Senator Lena Gonzalez. Again, as, as I said earlier, I think especially with the pandemic, you know, a lot of these deals were in motion before um, we all ended up working from home. Uh, I personally work from my bedroom closet. Um, so, you know, we find ourselves in unusual situations. As, as people had to work uh, from home, as they had to give their kids um, remote learning from home, they really found that their internet connections, which, you know, they maybe they complained about them every once in a while, but, you know, it wasn't um, such a, a big deal in their lives or they didn't think it was at top of mind suddenly became their only tether to the outside world, their only tether to anything normal. And I think um, have been talking to their lawmakers about that, have been, the lawmakers themselves have seen that, they've heard that from the schools in their districts, they've heard that from, you know, I, I think finally this is the year when all of that conversation that we've been having for years um, really made sense in a way for, for people where they say, okay, actually the, the way that this market is working right now is not working for us. You all have been coming into our office for years saying we have to do X, Y, and Z. Like, okay, come and tell me again, right? Um, and so I think that, that's, that's a lot of, of what we're seeing this year. Ernesto, um, is there anything else that you would add on to that? Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about 
um, specifically, it, it seems like healthcare is somewhat new to this, at least in an organized fashion, which seems to be very much tied into, to, as Haley's brought up, the, the pandemic um, being um, so influential. Yeah, I mean, the thing about politics is, um, you know, you have these like grand system issues and, and you know, infirmities that, that are in the billions range of, of the solution and, and the problem. And uh, I often find the most traction and solving these problems comes from just the most individual human stories that come up, um, you know, for, for net neutrality, for example, because that was the, the law we passed uh, in 2018. It was the, you know, a small number of firefighters in Santa Clara uh, having their service throttled by Verizon was the thing that just decimated them in Sacramento. It didn't matter how big the lobby was when they saw when the even the, you know, many of the Republicans joined the Democrats there, which is you know, kind of unheard of in some of these issues. Um, you know, it, it just took a single story. And in, in broadband access, I would say um, the one that stands out in my mind is when um, a supervisor from a county took a photo of these two Latino girls in uh, Taco Bell, I believe, uh, doing homework on on the street, and that was the only way they can access the internet. And it was a, it was in Salinas, California, a big city comparatively to most U.S. cities. You know, I think that hit home for a lot of uh, legislators. Uh, the idea that you know children are forced to go to the streets to do homework right now because of just uh, the inequities that exist within the system. And um, you know, I think that is given many people uh, in the political space, despite the money, because there's an awful lot of money from the incumbents that are handed to these folks, um, but it doesn't matter uh, unless they do something about that. And the industry just kind of doesn't know how to solve that because it means cutting into the profits in some way. Uh, what's coming next that we have to keep an eye on? So we've got the fight that's happening now uh, and we got an action uh, alert. If you go to EFF.org and, and Haley, correct me if I'm wrong on the actual location, um, but if people can go to our website right now and, and if you're in California, you can send a letter, uh, an email to your legislators to ask them to support the governor's proposal to spend $7 billion and most of it on public infrastructure for broadband. And uh, over the summer, we will fight over the details uh, with, you know, with cable mm-hmm. on the other side for the most part, I would say. Haley, what are you looking forward to over the summer? For me, it's it's fun in, about the game, right, in, in, the California, in the California legislature. So, you know, we've made it through one house and now we got to go and and do some of this again in in the other house and um, I always look forward to uh, picking up new um, allies along the way right I think especially with an issue as as important and as relatable as this one that there are always more groups that we could be reaching out to Um, and I really enjoy having those conversations and and getting more people on board as we as we move through the through the next house. Great thank you both so much for for your work and for coming on. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. That was Christopher talking with Ernesto Falcone and Haley Sukayama. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle's at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle's at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Artie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle. 
licensed through Creative Commons. This was episode 462 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.